Welcome to the R&R Experience Podcast. My name is Raquel, not Rachel. The other host is Regina, not Regina. We are two friends who decide to get together and talk about life. We feel like life is better when it's shared. So we'll cover lots of different topics. We'll talk about relationships, dating, sex. We'll talk about politics, pop culture, mental health, physical health. You name it, we're going to cover it. If this is your first time joining us, check out episode one, Meet the Host. You'll learn why am I called Raquel, not Rachel, or why is she called Regina, not Regina. You'll learn more about who we are and what we stand for. Today, we have a wonderful episode for you. So thanks for joining. Enjoy. Welcome to the R&R Experience Podcast. My name is Raquel, not Rachel. And I'm Regina, not Regina. Today, we have a wonderful guest with us. We have Mr. Eric Kirk. He's a best-selling author, relationship coach, and entrepreneur. So welcome, Mr. Kirk. Yes, welcome. Thank you. I'm glad to be here. So Eric, I know that you are the author of The Power of Two book, and you're the host of The Power Podcast. So can you tell our listeners a little bit about yourself and about your book that you wrote? Okay. My name is Eric Kirk, and I'm from the great state of Alabama. I'm a father of four. I have a granddaughter that's 16, that's going on 26. And I got a son. He's, uh, he'll be one in October. So really excited about him. Was married for 33 years. I've uh, been divorced for uh, about a year and a half, I'll say that. I'm a, a serial entrepreneur. I love everything sales. I'm a licensed um, insurance agent. And uh, I am a Kirk, Kirk Pro distributor. Shout out to Kirk Pro. I've always had a passion for a relationship. I was the guy that was the the peacekeeper in the family. I was that guy that, that brought people together. I had got into a habit of uh, when I get thoughts to journal it, to write it down. I have these moments, I call them the 3 a.m. moments with God, where I, I literally had to keep a notepad on my nightstand because I would be awakened. I needed to be able to write it down when it was uh, fresh on my mind. So a period of nine years, uh, I'm writing this information down. Fast forward, I get an opportunity to speak at an engagement. And it was a boot camp. And I really didn't have anything prepared. So I say, you know what? I'm going to take these notes and I'm going to speak on these notes. Well, a lady came up to me and she said, you know, there was a book you just spoke. Mm. I'm like, okay. And so now COVID hit and I uh, got this extra time. And I said, well, you know what? That lady, she spoke a word. And I said, this is a good opportunity for me to put it into a book. So it was real easy because I had the information. I had great uh, help. I had a uh, young lady, she literally was so good to where I could either send her a live that I did, or as I would speak, she would just be typing, you know, and like, am I going too fast? She's like, no, you're not, just keep going, just keep flowing. And uh, <laughs> that's good stuff. <laughs> she made it so much easier. So in 2021, on my birthday, I released mm-hmm. the power too. Awesome. So the power too is really eight revelations. Those are the notes. But what I wanted to do was give it a story. I was drawn to a book called The Dream Giver. Are y'all familiar with that? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Dream Giver. Okay. Mm-hmm. I believe Dream Giver was uh, required reading at some point. Yeah, but, that's why I know it. Yeah. I'm not familiar with that book. What is, is that a religious book? The Dream Giver is a book. I think the author is Bruce Wilkerson. Uh, I think he wrote the prayer. Jabez. Prayer Jabez. I, I think so. I'm, I'm about 99% sure he did. 
the story was great. It was really talking mm-hmm. about how the children of Israel leaving Egypt was going into the promised land. They had to fight these obstacles. Okay. But what I really liked about the book was the characters. The main character, his name was Ordinary because he yeah. was just an ordinary guy. He lived in a place called uh, Comfort Zone. That's what mm-hmm. it was. He lived in Comfort Zone, but he wanted to live in Dreamland, which is the promised land. But he came across co- people like a warrior. The characters describe their place in his life. I think everybody can relate to someone in that book. Absolutely. <laughs> absolutely. I mean, I seen myself in that. And so, mm-hmm. so when I did The Power of Two, I had the eight revelations. But what I wanted was to bring that storyline. So I came up with uh, work and desire. They're the main characters. Work, work did what his name said. He worked. Mm-hmm. And I always tell people they're not gender specific. But I did give work a masculine energy and I gave desire feminine energy. And desire was a person that desired to do a lot of things, but she did not have good work ethic. And uh, work, that's all he did was work. And then I showed how you need a work plus desire in order to have success. And that was the power too, when you put those two together. And and that's where the story unfolds. It it takes place with them actually meeting at a a, a business function. And I will say this too, because I don't talk about it a lot, but that story correlates with my life very close. I will say. Okay. You have to be real close to me to know what parts of. Okay. <laughs> well, I wanted to ask a question because you said you were married for 33 years and then you've been divorced for a year. Yes. Yeah. Newly About a year. You're newly divorced. So this is a personal question, but how has life been? Because you were married for so long and now you're this single person. Right. Well, I always say that this is how you recognize the grace of God. And listen, I do not recommend divorce in any type, shape, or fashion. I just don't. Now, I understand how it can work. I do understand, but I don't recommend. Uh, but I will say that I recognize the grace of God, you know, through it. And I'm going to tell you, I mean, this is going to be the weirdest thing, but I'm going to tell you because it's the only way I can do it. Uh, I'll just say this. Uh, the divorce was not an all of a sudden thing. It was a, a constant Let's try this. Let's try it. I believe in all my heart that if it was done any type of way, I couldn't survive. And that's why I say that it was the grace of God. The love of the lifetime is worth a million tries. And I was dedicated to a million tries. Mm. When you come to that type of understanding, when you come to that place and you realize, ladies, listen, I needed to know that I did everything because as yeah. a man, there's no way that I'm going to falter on my commitment without giving it everything that I have. The grace of God comes in when you say there's nothing else you can do and you've really done all that you could. Mm-hmm. And I felt that, the grace of God. That's good, Eric, because you know me as a hairstylist. So all hairstylists will probably tell you. Uh, people that sit in our chair, we come across so many different situations, whether they're celebrating, you know, getting married or a divorce. And I'm not the type of person that is going to tell you what to do because I'm not involved personally in that situation. But I always tell people 
you have to decide what is best for you. And when you know in your heart that you have done all that you can do, then you can make a sound decision and you can walk away and be at peace with it. Right. I have a mental health background and divorce is a death. It's a loss. Mm -hmm. Right. Yeah. And people often don't think of it in that way, but it's such a significant loss. So you have to go through the stages of grieving mm -hmm. when you go through divorce and breaking up is hard to do. People think that, oh, I'm just going to leave that person and that's yeah. it. But it's stages to it and it takes time. Once it happens, you have to go through all those stages and figure out how you feel about it. And it's a new way of thinking. It's a new life. You put a lot of energy and time into it, 33 years. Uh, sometimes it's mutual. Sometimes it's not. Sometimes it's necessary for your own personal growth, right? So it's a loss. Mm -hmm. I don't know how you're coping with it. It sounds like you have a religious background and you rely on your faith in God to help get you through that. Did you do any type of therapy to help you deal with the loss of your marriage? I doing the process of the trying and resetting, starting over all that. There was a lot of therapy done. Okay. okay. Um, now, post-divorce, no, no, no therapy was done. Uh, I do believe in therapy. I'm an advocate for it. But in this situation, you have to also understand that this process of starting over again was really about an eight-year process. There's a point when you get to a certain age and things start changing in your life that uh, you weren't prepared for, it can change everything around you. It's something as simple as the kids are all out of the house. Mm -hmm. Emptiness syndrome. Yep. Yeah, yep. that's real. Mm -hmm. That was the first hit. I got a set of twins. They're the youngest. When they moved out, within, I would say within three months, probably sooner than that, she moved in with them. And we were still seeing each other. I didn't know what it was at the time, but it was the first hit. In retrospect, I can see it a little clearer now. But it was a process of a lot of things. I'll also say we had individual goals, but we mm -hmm. didn't have common goals. Okay. And that's what, with the power to, I have two other companions. I have a planner and I have a worker. And in the book, The Power Two, I talk about how you have to do life together. Once yeah. again, I'm saying that I see this in retrospect. Now I realize that I had my life, she had her life. We did have a common goal. It was the kids, you know, mm -hmm. but then when they were gone, gone. We didn't have that. Okay? <laughs> and that's yeah. really common in a lot of relationships. Yeah, that happens yeah. a lot. That's mm -hmm. why I'm a big advocate. So if you look at the whole title of the power to, so you got the power to, then you have uh, how to succeed in business and in marriage. Eric, how do you connect the two? I believe that the same principles that you can use in your marriage is the same principles you can use in business. Why? Because it's relationships. Okay. One of the things that you're going to find with work and desire, uh, which keep in mind, work, all work did was work. Okay. He wasn't the, I told you it was about me, right? Okay. <laughs> <laughs> I was not the, the stop and smell the roses type guy. I was like, mm. okay, let's get there. Okay. And, mm. and my ex, she was the more, hey, let's drive and let's make these stops. Let's pull over, take some pictures. And I see now that there's a balance between that. So we have to have a balance. And anytime that balance gets shifted, you can have a crop. 
and, mm -hmm. and they happen every day in relationships. And this is why we have to go into it with as much education. And this is where my passion for it really comes in. This was my ministry in my marriage. This ministry would go back uh, easily 20 years. Okay. okay. So, so this is not something I said, I got this revelation uh, or I started this ministry since the divorce. No, what it did was gave my ministry uh, clarity. Mm -hmm. A lot of things that wasn't clicking through the divorce, it did click. It did make sense. In the beginning of the book, I'm doing a dedication. I talk about pain and suffering. And I actually credit, I thank pain and suffering. And the reason why is because I could not have gotten to the point where I'm at now without going through the pain and suffering. Mm -hmm. that's, that's true. That's true in any situation. <laughs> Yeah, pain and suffering. So um, while you're talking about relationships, and I know that's a lot what your book is about, I wanted to talk about some recent social media um, relationship topics that have come about because we wanted to get kind of the male perspective. Have you heard of you know, the situation with Kiki Palmer and her boyfriend? I'm the worst when it comes to keeping up with current events. <laughs> I had to Google who this guy was. Mm -hmm. I really don't quite understand who he is. Of course, I know who Kiki Palmer is. Yeah. And I know what she did. So, Come on with the question. There have been rumors that they were kind of on, maybe on the outs before this happened. From a male perspective, what is your opinion as far as if two people are dating and the female wears an outfit that the male is not comfortable with? Is it right? Or is it okay for him to express his feelings on social media? Or do you think that should be done in a private manner? Okay, you made it real easy. The easy answer to that is, um, no, he was wrong. Uh, that behavior is, to me, behaviors of a man that is on, that relationship is uh, on the outs with each other, you know. Mm. But he, here's the part that, that's probably going to be the unpopular opinion. Mm -hmm. I think relationships come in stages, okay? Mm -hmm. And there is a point where you should not expect anything. I'm going to tell you where I'm heading, okay? And I don't think that it's the Aki Palmer situation, but mm -hmm. I think that people need to understand this nevertheless. Uh, you have to understand what phase you are. So I identified three phases, and that's the the casual dating phase, the intentional dating phase, and then marriage. You know, mm -hmm. I'm actually in the process of I'm writing a book on that now. Mm -hmm. Okay. That casual phase, uh, there is no expectations in that. This is where we get to know each other. This is where I'm betting you, you bet me. And that process could take weeks or it could take years. Okay. Mm -hmm. But there's no time limit and there's no expectations in it. Now, there is a place where you say, okay, now it's more committed. Now it's more intentional. Things can change, but but that still does not mean that there is a covenant or a commitment. Because yeah, that, that commitment comes when you get married. And that's when the game changes. So this is what I teach. During the dating phase, feel free to be selfish. Mm, okay. Feel free to be selfish because if you don't look out for yourself during the dating phase, then you're going to be missing opportunity. You're going to miss some things, especially during the begging process. And I, I said that word and I want to reiterate, we have to get back to vetting. And listen, 
this is another unpopular opinion. We have to get to the point where you have to realize that you're not good at it. You can't fix yourself. <laughs> Look at your history. How good have it been? You see what I'm saying? It's okay for you to say, Dad, Mom, what do you think? You know, mm-hmm. uh, uncle, auntie, best friend, uh, spend some time with him or her and tell me what you think. That is true. A lot of people have gotten away from that. Definitely. <laughs> parents tell you the truth straight up. They don't tell you that then you have to honor them. You're saying, hey, I know that you love me. I know that you want me to be successful. So, mm-hmm. so I'm thinking about this might be the one. So I want you to vet that person and make sure that I'm doing the right thing. And I know beyond a shadow of a doubt, you love and care for me. Mm-hmm. We just got to give back to that. And maybe mom and dad is not around. Maybe you don't have the relationship. It doesn't matter because you got somebody, even when a female doesn't have a father figure. Okay. Yeah. I don't care if you make up a character. And a lot of people attack you. <laughs> you better make up a person and tell them, yep, I got an uncle, me and him real close. Because men behave differently when they know that you're covered. Mm. You let a man think that you just out there and nobody care about you. Mm-hmm. Oh, yeah. yeah. The wrong one could take advantage. And so when people push back at that, you know, listen, you can do it however you want to do it, but I'm not advocating just lying. But I have three girls, one son. My daughters are covered because they know if something happened to my daughters, they have to deal with me. So yeah. they handle them different. They call and say, hey, you know, I just want to let you know this is what's going on. So I appreciate it, but I understand that you have to have that figure. Now, in this day and age, mm-hmm. you have to deal with that modern woman mentality. And what I just said is almost blaspheming. And I understand it. I understand why she would push back on that. But it's not to say that you're weak. It has nothing to do with the female being weak. Matter of fact, if you look at my Facebook, my pocket, I think the women are the most powerful between the two. Okay, trust me. We've been tested. I agree. It. <laughs> and I don't have no problem with that. I recognize the power. But I also recognize the power of a man when he's in a predatorial state of mind. Mm-hmm. He needs to know that there is a check and balances. And, and that's where that comes in. TV shows, they used to kind of focus on that. It was almost like the guy was, oh, I got to meet your dad. And, and it was like this nervousness. And they would make sure they were on their best manners, their best behavior. So, yeah, I agree with what you're saying. If you're just kind of out there and a man knows she ain't really got nobody in her corner, she ain't got no brother that's looking out for her or dad or whatever. Yeah, they are definitely going to behave differently because they can think they can get away with everything. I'll tell you, the brother is more powerful than the dad. <laughs> I was watching a podcast. I don't know the name of it, but uh, their conversation was uh, on the first date, doesn't the guy go to the house and introduce himself to the parents and, and the, the alarming part? Uh, both males and females at 30-something age group, they mm-hmm. both were saying that uh, it's unnecessary. The, mm-hmm. the females were saying, I'm okay with you blowing the horn or calling me and telling me to come outside. Oh, I don't want yeah. you to talk to my dad. Oh, how sad. How sad have we become? And, That's and, definitely changed. Yeah. 
this is why my job is so important. I'm doing these tours. I'm doing these interviews. Like this. So now I'm in a different mindset. And I'm going to tell you the conversation that I have with God. I said, why? I said, people don't care. They mm-hmm. don't care. Yeah. And the more that I do, oh, man, I can see the grace of God. The more I'm realizing that he's like, no, you're not alone. I'm watching other people. And we all in the same vein. When I started this, I felt like it was unnecessary. And he said, I was going to be obedient and do it. Mm-hmm. But at the same time, I felt like nobody cares about relationships. Nobody cares. Before, we did value, traditional values, and that has changed over the years. So I think people care about different things. They don't care about, you know, like you say, getting permission from mom and dad or respecting the elderly. The elderly, the values have shifted and we're more concerned about self and our own needs and less about community and tradition. You know, some of the young people don't feel it's necessary to ask permission to date or marry before you got permission, your, yeah. your dad's hand in marriage. And now you ask the younger generation, they think that's archaic. You don't have to do that. That's not yeah, necessary. It's like I'm grown. Like, yeah, we don't have to do that. <laughs> so I think we've changed. The focus has changed. We're no longer focusing on those old fashioned values. And I'll tell you this too, it's not only that that they're not asking for permission to get married, they've decided not to get married, period. <laughs> so, oh yeah. That's true. So, yeah. So it's they, not necessary. Marriage not, is a piece of paper. It's not necessary. Our age, well, I'm a bit older, but we did not show as a group the younger generation a good moment. We did our generation brought in no fault divorce. Mm. Our generation did that. If you look at uh, the generation like our parents, there was a lot of hidden scenes mm-hmm. uh, <laughs> that our parents dealt with. You know, mm-hmm. there was a lot of stuff where uh, I did a podcast about keeping secrets. Is it okay to keep a secret from, <laughs> from your spouse? Man, that was mm. a hot topic. But in my studying of that topic, I realized that any type of secret uh, can cause mental stress, okay? mm-hmm. like anxiety. So when a parent would say, hey, what goes on in the house? Stays in the house. Man, I'm seeing my mom get beat, but she don't want me to tell anybody. Or yeah. or somebody is touching me, and we all know it, but I was told not to say anything about mm-hmm. it. Now, how do you carry that burden? You know, now you're over into your adult. We did not value relationships because of what we seen our parents do. So when we got old enough, we wrote into law listen, where they had to have a reason to divorce. We don't have to have a reason to. <laughs> I need you to see the progression, though, because, see, now the generation after us is saying or the ones that's coming up is saying we don't value marriage at all. No need to do it at all. <laughs> when they have a thing called starter marriages, you stay married for like one to three years. Well, right, it's new to me, Rock. Yeah, <laughs> yes, yeah. It's called starter marriages. So that whole longevity thing—that's no longer till death do us part. Well, see, sometimes the the younger generation they give a lot of titles because see, starter marriage to me equals I'm dating. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> it equals dating. I'm gonna look it if up and see you what it date means. someone <laughs> long enough. <laughs> You will be able to decide if that person is the one or if they're not the one. Right. That's what dating is for, is for exploring uh, and taking your time to get to know somebody. But now we got a label 
And we we just gonna call it start a marriage. marriage. It's when the, it's actually yeah. just dating. Yeah. Yeah. That, <laughs> that, that's, that's, uh, that's the compromise. They say, okay. Yeah. <laughs> Yes, as a starter marriage is a first marriage that lasts five years or less and ends without the couple having any children together. Wow. So it's not something that they say, okay, we're just going to be married three to five years. It's just, they just saying, okay, if your marriage lasted five years or less, then that we're going to call it a starter. That is a new one. Another thing that yeah. I teach is that uh, how you date is important. Now, mm-hmm. if you're serious about being married, I want you to get to that intentional part. But I'm also going to stand firm on that casual dating where I'm going to teach you to be real selfish. And I do that for a reason. But what I really want to come back is this. Let's say you started dating you 16 years old. Okay. They say he breaks your heart and you think your life is over. But you get older, okay? Then you make somebody else. And then it's a series of doing that over and over again. What happens is the progression is going to tell you that, oh, this guy hurt you the same way as the past six, seven guys did. But it doesn't hurt as bad. Why? Why doesn't it hurt? Because I've been through it before. And what's happening to your heart? Your heart is building calluses and it's getting hard. Okay, the first time you was distraught, now it's a nausea. You're going to take that mentality to your marriage. Mm-hmm. And as soon as that behavior plays out in your marriage, an automatic recall is going to happen. Listen, I've been through this 10 times, and I know what's going to happen next. And so you're going to stay on ready mode because of the way you dated. The way you date is, is connected to how your marriage is going to you have to be taught how to date and what it looks like. And I don't know if there's a class or if parents are teaching their kids, sons and daughters, how to date, what it looks like. So you're after making it up along the way. So I think you do take some of those patterns into your marriage, but we have to go back to the very beginning and then teach people how to date and what it looks like and what it's not. Another thing that we did, this generation did, we overcompensated. See, our parents didn't have anything. Mm-hmm. And we dealt with that. Oh, now we got some stuff. Okay. And so what happens to our kids? So we overcompensate. And I, I'm ne- never able to get this. And so now I'm going to overcompensate with my kids. What I'm saying is all of this stuff is connected because it's creating a pattern. You see? So now you got that entitled mentality because of what we did. The selfishness is the number one relationship killer. And I mm-hmm. promise you, you can give me any reason for the relationship to end. I'm going to show you how I can track it back down to self. <laughs> That's true. Yeah, because I was saying like what Raquel was talking about, like people really not knowing how to date. Um, younger generation, they don't care about, like, I ain't got to get married. I got to do this. And as, as far as poly relationships are mm-hmm. popular. So if no one's teaching emails, or I'm going to say males too, that you should be valued for you and you should not settle for being number two, number three, then how will they know if no one tells them that? So they are just thinking, oh, well, that's cool. That's the end thing. I'm his third girlfriend or whatever. You know, we all know about each other. We're cool. But if, if no one teaches you that, hey, 
put some more value on yourself, right. then you just going to be out doing whatever. And that value looks like concretely, it looks like you're spending time doing activities together. Yeah. You're going to the movies and it doesn't have to cost money, but you're spending time getting to know each other. Mm-hmm. The person's not just showing up and we're just hanging out at the house watching TV <laughs> and having sex and that's it. Yeah. Right. That's not a relationship. That's not dating. So you have to teach people how to do, you know, go to a play, go to a park, have a picnic, play basketball, do a board game together, Mm -hmm. get to know each other on a basic level before you become intimate. Right. And that doesn't happen. Yeah. Doesn't happen. (laughs) We just, we have lost some fundamental things in this age of social media and all that that the younger generations have to deal with. I understand why. Let me mm-hmm. say this. Uh, would surprise you if I told you that I, I believe in poly relationship? No. No, I wasn't surprised. <laughs> I'm surprised. I'm not so, surprised. So here's the thing, though. Because I actually had this question a couple of days ago. It kind of threw me off. Mm-hmm. Somebody contacted me and said that in one of my lives, I talked about poly relationship. I really don't remember. But you know, I said, okay, well, what question do you have? She was telling me she was involved in one. She just wanted to know my perspective of it. And by the end of the conversation, I do know she was having some conflict. Um, but this is what I believe. And, and I'm going to go ahead and just add this in, too. I don't believe that you have to be a Christian. I'd like to use the word believer in order mm-hmm. to have a successful marriage. Okay. And now, so how do I tie those two in? Okay. Uh, I tie them in because what you need, you need to have harmony, okay? And what brings about harmony is what I call, and it's laid out in my book, is actually Revelation number six, is the power of agreement. See, all, all you need is the two to come together. See, there's some laws that God put in place that is going to work whether you believe in him or you don't, right? And mm-hmm. And if a person operates in the power of agreement, because now this is what God said. He said, if you bound it on earth, I'll bind it in heaven. Mm-hmm. If you loosen on earth, I'll loosen in heaven. But basically what he's saying is that, uh, Regina, if I can just get you and Eric on the same page, he said, I'm going to honor. He's going to honor the agreement. And so when we look at a poly relationship, that relationship can work as long as all parties, all are, parties are, are in agreement. agreement. Yeah. 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 You know? <laughs> I agree. Yeah. That's so with that, any relationship. Yeah. Relationships. Any be in relationship. Harmony. Mm-hmm. They need the heart. It was actually an old co-worker. And I was witnessing to her for months. We became good friends. She was a teenager when I first met her and then you know, through the years. Now she's married. They got kids. Her husband is a great guy. And I spent the better part trying to win them over to Christ. Mm-hmm. And they wasn't having it. Neither one of them believed in God. But when I tell you to this day, they didn't want to the most beautiful couple that I ever seen. Mm-hmm. And they believe nothing in God. And they taught me a lesson. Now, I, I, they soul is a different thing. <laughs> but they marriage, um, mm-hmm. they, it make these believers, yeah, it make us feel shameful. Mm. Being real. Because they got harmony. Harmony and an agreement. But we were just saying a few minutes ago about titles. Can Polly not be just viewed as just dating. I mean, just dating different people. Now, I guess there are levels to this poly. I don't know if all of these poly relationships, let's say if everyone is intimate with each other, because that 
can make a difference. But if you're just talking about, okay, everybody's in agreement. If a male meets a female and he knows that she's dating two other guys, I'm cool with that. We hang together. It's kind of just like dating, but again, you got a title on it. I think it's a little (laughs) different. I I know someone who's who's polyamorous. Mm -hmm. I don't know if I can get her on the show. Maybe I can. But the way they define the relationship is similar to how monogamous relationships are defined, right? It just happens to be more than two people. Mm. It could be three people or four people, whatever, but they're committed to each other and there's monogamy within that relationship and they have rules and boundaries and expectations within the relationship. Mm -hmm. So I think people see it and say, well, you can just sleep with anybody. Mm -hmm. It's not like that. It's similar to being in a monogamous relationship, like a traditional heterosexual or Mm-hmm. gay relationship where it's just two people mm-hmm. uh, so there's some nuances to it which i can't speak on because i don't know exactly what it means mm-hmm. to be in that type of relationship so we probably need to have somebody on to give us more insight into it but that's the way the person i know explained it to me yeah yeah, yeah. and how you see it or how you portrayed it is what i have seen myself uh, it's definitely a commitment you yeah, know not is there legally they can only be married to them Right. On paper. But as far as that relationship, they all all eat. They're all committed. They all committed. Yeah. Sometimes that stuff comes up and just the field that I'm in. Because Mm -hmm. uh, I deal male, female, monogamous, committed type deal. You Mm -hmm. know, Uh, someone corrected me the other day and they said, well, Eric, you got a lot of uh, listeners that are single. So I I had to kind of change even on that, you know, mm-hmm. really kind of open the door. And that's one of the reasons why I'm going to revamp the power to and to uh, make it into a book for singles. Okay. Mm-hmm. Because before focusing on couples, I'll tell you the, the problem with couples, <laughs> all you couples out there, <laughs> uh, and listen, include myself, <laughs> you don't see the problem until the problem is there. And the power too really is a preventative book. If you and your spouse is on the same page and saying you want to go deeper, we want to get better, man, the power mm-hmm. too is great. But it's really a book, you know, for like a singles ministry to say, okay, this is how you need to you need to interact. I, I need you to be able to sit down with your spouse or your potential spouse. I need you to see those things. I need you to know that some based off the power too, we're gonna to have to have at least one meeting a day, I mean, a week, you know, mm-hmm. and I, I talk about you're going to have to have a business meeting, but then you're also going to have to have a date night. So that's two out of the week already. Mm-hmm. We're not doing no monthly meetings anymore. Keep in mind, everything is about doing it together. I tied in the business because, and I really don't care if it's a business. I say it could be a ministry, it could be a hobby, but you better find something to do with your spouse. You better find something. You better find something because if not, you're going to come to a place and it's the simplest thing can throw you all off balance because you don't have anything that's common that's actually keeping you together. Relationships with work. Yeah. You got to put the work in. People think to have a healthy relationship, that something magical happens. Yeah. That's not true. It's putting in the work day to day, all day. All the time. And that means you got to think about the person. You got to think about yourself. You got to think about commonality. You got to put your ego aside. 
You can't be right. Sometimes you're wrong. A lot of times you're wrong or you have a different perspective, right? And their perspective may be different than yours. Doesn't mean that it's wrong. Mm -hmm. But how can you guys have some commonality with all of it? People get caught up in that whole thinking that they're going to have this wonderful relationship without putting the work in and you have to put the work in. Yeah, Yeah, I think date the term dating is to me used a little bit too loosely. If you were married in a relationship, when you're talking about dating someone, you are not just talking about dating that person. You have to think about everything in that person's life. They could have children, their family, um, their siblings. People might just think like, I mean, you're just talking about going on a date with somebody, but I'm talking about like, if you're talking about putting yourself out there to the world of dating, you have to factor in all of that. And their you have work to- Their ethic, their yeah, job status, you have to think all about, of that. Am I ready to deal mm-hmm. with all that? Because all my thing, it. if you're not 100% in something, then- just don't bother with it. That's just me. What you just laid out is my whole program. <laughs> because people know it. What I realized is that we're not taking time to break it down. Like I got to show you the steps. Because mm-hmm. overall, most people see it. But what you don't see is the steps. And we're going to focus on what I want. I see what I want over there. But when I'm trying to tell you that there's proper steps that you have to take in order mm-hmm. to get there. Because mm-hmm. if you don't, mm-hmm. Yeah, you can reach your desire, but would you be able to keep it? And then mm-hmm. and that's where I have this other phrase. I guess I'm full of phrases today, but, <laughs> but write this down. <laughs> it's easier to maintain a relationship than it is to repair. Mm. It's either easier to maintain than to repair. I was trying to get guys to understand what the problem because listen, uh, we are notorious men. The guys like me, uh-huh. we don't see the problem until you got your bags packed up, <laughs> you're at the door, you know, and your Uber is coming. We don't see it until then. Wait, wait, wait. Listen, I can change. I want, no, no. And so what I want guys to see is, okay, do you want to put oil in your car or do you want to replace that motor? Mm. Which one you want to do? How many of you guys, once your motor go bad, say, I'm going to put a new motor in? Uh-huh. I'm just going to buy a new Get, get something new. <laughs> yeah, that's what she's saying. Yeah. <laughs> that's what she's saying. I'm not, no, no, man. You, you Listen, all these years, I've been telling you to put oil in me, and, mm-hmm. and you didn't do it. That was sexual. <laughs> I mean, it could be. It's okay. <laughs> I said, uh, yeah, okay, okay. But it had an undertone to it. But, <laughs> but listen, you guys are very good at articulating the things that you need. We yep. just miss it. And, and we, I can't really say we miss it, but we underestimate it at the very least. You, okay? And then mm-hmm. reality hits, and then you got your bags, you're out the door, and now we're ready to do the work. But we really don't want to lose you. We took you for granted, but we really don't want to lose you. Mm-hmm. But the problem is the damage was done. Yeah. And that's why I need I need everybody to understand, not just men, but I know men, this is one of our problems. I need you to understand that there's some things that you need to do every day. You need to send out that text message saying I love you or mm-hmm. hey, cash out and just say hey, lunch on me. What pay is just not at night. 
for mm-hmm. Franklin to start in the morning. You know what I'm saying? So she'd be ready at night. You know, you need to do stuff like this because when it's dead, when it's dead, y'all could correct me if I'm wrong. Jump in at any point. <laughs> you're, you're totally right there. You are totally right. It's like that phrase, when a woman's fed up. Thank you, you talk about her being at the door and she got her bags. At that point, she's fed up and ain't nothing you can say like she's done, like she has checked out. Yeah. <laughs> and that, that is the most sobering place. I'm in a group about 5,000 men. Mm-hmm. By they either divorced or they're about to be divorced or going through the divorce. They all come in, they want, and I promise you, this conversation is the same. I had no idea. This came out of nowhere. Yeah. And I did everything I was supposed to do. Mm-hmm. And all those things are not correct. <laughs> no, no. <laughs> but, you know, it, it, it's so sad. Now, now they're not correct. Okay, I agree. Mm-hmm. But I need you to understand that it's so real for each and every one of those guys because mm-hmm. they really and truly had no clue. Okay, let's break it down. They had no clue, right? So. Why did they not have a clue? Were they not paying attention? What is the self-awareness? They're not listening. Are they tuning out, focused on their needs and not their partner's needs, right? So let me deal with that. Right here is where I'm the hardest on me because it doesn't matter what the reason because the end result is going to be the same. So I can't give men a break, but I do understand what happened, okay? Let me me share it with you. Men have the tendency to look at the bigger picture. Okay. We don't focus on the small detail. We do focus on the end result, but we don't focus on the step. Okay, that's just that's just how it is. I'm not saying that it's right, but I'm saying that's what it is. Well, it's kind of what I was saying. If we on a road trip where my ex would say, hey, I want to stop and smell the roses, mm-hmm. I did not know how important stopping and smelling the roses I didn't know what that was doing for her mentally. I didn't know how that was part of her self-care. And when I said, no, we're not going to do it, I did not know how that was killing her on the inside. You see what I'm saying? Yeah, yeah. I can share this because my husband and I are, uh, we're at the opposite ends. He's more logical thinking. Um, He's task-oriented. I'm more feeling and I like to process things. So that's stopping to smell the roses. When I say, honey, let's go to the mall or let's go for a walk, He's thinking we're going to the mall. That's the task. For me, (laughs) I'm going to look around at this store, that store, and I'm going to go look at everything. For him, his task is going to the store. That's his focus. (laughs) So we had to learn to lend. So my needs were met. His needs were met because it was more for him the task. For me, it's the process. That's it. You know, he he probably would be the one that, that says he wants to know. Okay, what are we going to the mall for? Exactly. And I don't yeah. know. I don't, you don't know, know why I'm going to the mall. I'm going to the mall. I don't know. It'll hit me when I get there. I don't yeah. know why I'm going to the mall. So that's yeah. why I said he's thinking, okay, we're going to purchase <laughs> something. <laughs> that's the reason. And then we're going to leave. I may be there for two hours and not purchase anything at all. And that's oh, yeah. okay. He's he gone crazy about an hour and a half. I don't even an hour and a half. I was just saying, it yeah, won't be that long. It yeah, it won't even be that long. He, he he's like, what is happening? Yeah. yeah. I mean, because at this point, he's like, I don't care how much it costs. Tell me. I'm going to give you the money. Just go get it. Let's get uh-huh. it done. 
<laughs> but but we're wired that way. Now, if those are the symptoms, okay, now we got to deal with the solution. Here's what I learned. We can't just let it stay there. So over the years, when I started realizing that everybody had the same story, mm-hmm. I was forced to come up with the conclusion that this has nothing to do with the way I treated my individual spouse. It has something to do with how God made us. We got to have that foundation because they, I, right, I, do, I just met you today, but I understand your husband. Why? Because I just talked to hundreds of them. You see? You know his pain of going to the store. <laughs> You've been there, right? I've been there. And, and, and uh, you know, and listen, if, if we think about it, We've seen in the movies, TV shows, whatever, the husband, the wife is shopping. She's going around picking up everything. He's standing, mm-hmm. he's either on the bench or if he's standing over there holding the purse like this. <laughs> How could they depict that so well? Because it happens over and yeah. over again. I'm going to give you another little thing, another little phrase. Uh, is that uh, love does two things. Love always going to seek to give. And love always going to accept you as you are. Mm-hmm. Those are two elements of love. And I get that from, from John 3.16. But before John 3.16, we know that for God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son. But before that, he says, when we were in our most unlovable state, he sent a redeemer. And see, what I need you to understand is that we deserve death. But God still loved it. In our, in our worst case scenario, God said, listen, I still want to bless you. I still want to, to love on you. So he said, I'm going to send you a redeemer. I'm going to send you a lifeline. I'm going to send you a bridge to come back to me. So when I studied that, I said, man, that's what love is. That's what love looked like in relationship. I'm going to accept you as you are. How do I know that I really love you? There's nothing about you I want you to change. If I get involved with you, Regina, then I start saying, but I want you to change. Mm-hmm. Then I always have to stop here and say, you know, if a person, individual wants to change, then that's different. They can bury themselves. OK, mm-hmm. but that's an individual choice. What I'm saying is when I decide to marry you, then I'm marrying you the way that you are. Love mm-hmm. is always going to accept you as you are and love is always going to seek to give. And this is what people push back at. They say, so if I'm always giving, then what about her? You're missing the point. Because if you both are in love, guess what you're both going to be doing? Giving. That's it. (laughs) Well, the selfishness comes in that is when I'm going to give you something, but now I'm waiting for you to return the favor. Mm-hmm. I told you selfishness is the number one relationship killer because if I don't return in like fashion, selfishness is going to kick in because the only reason you gave me something was so you can get something in return. Get something in return. And that's <laughs> selfish. Yep. But yeah, I like what you said and you were talking about before, just all the things you got to do throughout the day as far as relationships. Sometimes when you talk to people, give friends advice, they're just like, 
you know, well, whatever. Ain't nobody doing all that. But do you want it to work? You have to take the effort, just like you go into your job to make money. You have to put the effort into your relationship. How, I mean, how long does it really take you just to send a text, I love you, or, hey, thinking about you, can't wait to see you tonight? Like you said, foreplay happens throughout the day. Before you get to nighttime, the foreplay needs to happen during the day. It sets the stage. Because <clears throat> I know when I wrote my ebook about how to have a popcorn-ready marriage, that threw everybody off with the title. But I talked about the preparation before the popcorn is ready. So that's just like what you were saying. You got to do those those small things in a relationship. They might not seem like they're nothing, but they mean a lot to the other person. And that's giving them that self-confidence or whatever you want to call it in the relationship. Just put the work in. It, it reminds me of uh, these three stages of a relationship or three stages of marriage. And that is the love stage, the, mm -hmm. I call it the pudding stage or the money stage, mm -hmm. then the companionship stage. Uh, it's important that you and your spouse understand what stage you're in. You're going to spend most of your time in the money stage or the building stage, accumulating mm -hmm. stage. The majority of your life, we're going to be there. That is where divorce happens. Okay. You have to recognize the stage that you're in. And then you have to do these things that, I, that we talk about in the workbook and the planner. And it's basically saying, you're going to have to learn how to do life together because while you're in this money stage, you can become very selfish. And there's a place where you need to be, but at the same time, you better not be. And I know that's mm -hmm. conflicting. But what I'm saying is this. You are accumulating. There's a point where, especially in a man's life, but it happens to women too, where you know that there's some, my kids are getting older. They're going to be going off the cop. I have to make this money. Okay. Mm -hmm. I have to do. And then being in the financial service industry, I realized that uh, even when it, uh, when it comes down to savings, you know, most people historically don't start saving to their 40. If y'all do research on it, because there's something about the age 40 where it's just life changing. Yeah. Okay. But uh, have you noticed? If you, you know, yeah. Everything, it just becomes clear. Yeah, that's when I made my biggest career move. That's when I started studying on it. Matter of fact, T.D. Dates, he motions. If you ever read that book, he talked about that. Okay. okay. And uh, so anyway, if we're going to be in this building stage, then there's going to be some times where I can't do this because I'm doing that. Mm -hmm. Okay. You may not can do this now, but you're going to have to do something because then you're not going to survive the building stage if you only think about making money. You're going to have to balance mm -hmm. it out because although I'm going to agree with every man, woman, boy, girl that says, listen, I'm in this stage, I got to hit it hard because there's a window where you're not going to be able to do it. You're going to have to know if I don't accumulate it now while I'm younger, mm -hmm. then how am I going to accumulate it older? You know, I, I remember when I first started in the financial service business, I sat down with my mom and she was like, you know, okay, I need I need a plan. And that was the first time I cried. I cried a lot of time sitting down with clients because their situations be so heavy. 
Mm-hmm. But she was one of the first ones because I had to tell her, I said, well, I can't do anything for you. Why not? Mm-hmm. I said, well, you can't start saving for retirement when you're retirement age. Mm-hmm. Can't do it. You know, I love my mom. That's, that's what happens in relationship. It was out of balance. And I say this all the time. <laughs> my mom is one of the smartest in her field, very successful for a very long time. Her problem was that nobody sat down and educated her. And she didn't get it until it was too late. Too late. You see what I'm saying? And that happens mm-hmm. to a lot of us. That's one of the reasons why I do what I do, even in the financial sector. There's some certain things that you can be great at. I sit down with doctors and lawyers and professionals that are great, mm-hmm. but you didn't know the money game. So it happens. And all of this deals with how we're going to deal with ourselves in the relationship because your end result is to come into the the companionship phase. And let me just add this. It's designed for a couple to go through all of these phases together, okay? Mm-hmm. My ex and I, we was close. We was mm-hmm. close. We fell victim of the money phase because I told you my biggest decision was when I turned 40, I said, I did not want to spend another 20 years working for somebody, you know, mm-hmm. and retire. So we decided that that's when I was going to become a full-time entrepreneur. We was not ready for the change, you see? Mm-hmm. And so all of this stuff happened. Kids, the business changed, mm-hmm. her thinking, okay, well, hey, I'm going to have more of his time. But now I'm an entrepreneur, and the entrepreneur knows. Yeah. <laughs> no, no. It's got, more, it's, more man, time. And so I went from nine to five. Now there is no cutoff, you know? Yeah. And so all of those things change. But if you don't understand that phase, that goal is to begin in that companion phase. But here's the thing I'm trying to pick up. The first time you get married, you get married because you love it, Right. And there's no disrespect to any phase of this because all of them are going to be based on love. Mm-hmm. But that second time, now keep in mind, it's designed for, to go through all of those phases with one person. But mm-hmm. depending on your age, let's just say you got married in your 20s, you got divorced in your 40s, your kids are about to graduate. Mm-hmm. So you're going to remarry. What are you thinking about? You're thinking about money. Okay, Mm -hmm. you're going to love the person that you married, but you went through a divorce. Some things been separated. You got kids and not even bringing up the fact that now you may be blending the family. When you got married the first time, y'all didn't have to have nothing. Nothing. (laughs) (laughs) Y'all didn't have to have nothing. I just love him. Just love. Just plain love. (laughs) And see, that's what I'm saying. It's a natural thing. We just never broke it down. Okay, mm-hmm. so you go through this money phase, now your 30s, your 40s, your 50s, your 60s, now your 70s. Now you're in your companionship. Mm-hmm. If you get married at that point, listen, all your accumulating years is over with. You just want somebody you can walk in the park with. You know what I'm <laughs> saying? Chill and you relax. Know? It's time to chill. Yeah. Time to chill and relax. You see, Enjoy the fruit you know? of your labor, you know? Yeah, no drama. No drama. <laughs> There's some text out there that says, it's really sad, though. It's really sad that there's still people in their 70s getting divorced in the 80s and getting divorced. Oh, yeah. yeah. I really would love to know the mentality of somebody at that point who's saying, I'm ready to 
start over. Well, you know why? <laughs> I think what happens is that at some point in your life, especially as you get older, you're thinking about you do a, a life review. That's the ending stage of your life. It's your life review. And you're thinking about all the things that you've done or didn't do. And life is short and you're thinking, I don't have that many years and I want happiness. Maybe I want to do X, Y, and Z. And this person is not willing to do that. And this is my time. So that's why I think some people make that decision later in life because life is short. They're not waiting in line. You know, they're like, I'm going in front of the line because my time is short. I know what I want. I know what my value is and I'm going to go for it. So I think that's what happens. I totally agree. It's more on the side of, at that point, I still can't compromise on both sides. It's like, you can get married at 40, 50. I mean, not married, but divorced. That really could be a life sentence to you. You know what I'm saying? Mm -hmm. I'm not saying that divorce is the end. Divorce could be the beginning of a new, beautiful life. Okay? Mm -hmm. But what I'm saying is that if you spend a lot of time with somebody and then you end up in divorce at, at a later age, there's a such thing as setting your ways. You know, yeah. I don't want to chair the bed with no, nobody. I'm used mm-hmm. to that. Those are real things. You know what I'm saying? So I everybody got a They all cross the bear. But I think if people was to step back and just really evaluate. Now, I know I'm going to get paid mail for this. And I'm not advocating, please, I'm not advocating anybody <laughs> stay in a relationship where they are being mistreated and, and all that. Mm-hmm. I don't buy unhappiness, though. Okay? Mm-hmm. No. Because I believe happiness is going to change with the weather. You know what I'm saying? You're going to be happy today. You're going to be unhappy. Some folks dwell on just the negative part of the relationship. And that's mm-hmm. the only thing they see. And they miss it. And then all of a sudden, they, they uprooted their whole life. Because I know we all heard of the 80-20 rule, you know, yeah. you, you're going to leave the 80% because because the 20% that they're not giving you. Hey, guys, listen, nobody's ever going to give you 100%. It's impossible. Mm-hmm. See what I'm saying? Nobody has that. Nobody have that capability of being 100% of everything that you need. But I promise you, 80%, man, you can have a beautiful life with that. But if you focus on what they're not giving you, I don't care if they gave you 50%. If you focus on what they're not giving you, mm-hmm. then it's not going to work. not going to be happy. Yeah. Well, Eric, I, I want to comment on something you said, two things. The one thing you talk about the companion stage, and I do think when people get older, sometimes you have like 70, 85-year-olds getting married. It's because they're looking for that companionship. It's yeah. not about the sex. It's not about the money. It's really about a companion, someone I can share my day with and my interest and my hobbies. You find that a lot, especially in retirement communities retirement, uh-huh. and someone's getting married at 85. Why would they get married at 85? What is that <laughs> companion? That companion. Yeah, some people don't want to die alone. I mean, you know, it's just I that wanna, thought yeah. process. I don't, they want to know that they have somebody who cares about them. But I wanted you to go back because you mentioned you said there was three things and you talked about the men didn't have, they'd had no idea uh, why the marriage ended. And then you gave two other things. I wanted to dissect those other two things. That, let me say, they didn't know. They weren't aware of what was going on. Yeah, weren't aware. Okay. Okay. And what was the last one? They did everything that they could. The second one really was kind of playing off. Them just really not knowing. Not knowing. 
they weren't so aware. We were, they didn't know. They did everything they yeah. could. Okay. Yeah. Okay. It was planned off of that. Got it. Okay. Um, the main reason was them not knowing, and they did everything that they could. Um, those are, they're real. It's not going to be real to his wife. Because mm. now we're talking about perspective. From his perspective. And that perspective was really based off of um, him being selfish because he was not considering her need. I'm glad you kind of researched as well because this is where, you know, I introduced the conversation of love languages. That was probably one of the most beneficial lessons that I could learn because I realized that a person literally can be loving you, but they could be loving you the wrong way. Or See, not the way you, you know, need to be loved. Yeah. Not the way you need to be loved. Mm-hmm. And th- this is where you have to literally say, I have to know my language and then mm-hmm. I have to be able to teach my language. And then on the other side is that you gonna have to be able to be willing to learn your spouse's language. I think that's where a lot of us mess up. Let's say if, if his wife's language was quality time and he kept buying her gifts. Gifts. You see what I'm saying? He's going to think she's ungrateful. Because I bought you a diamond ring and you're not happy. <laughs> you're an ungrateful yep. woman. And she's like, I don't want a diamond ring. I want you to go on a walk with me. Spend time yeah. with exactly. me. So, yeah. So, you can see how when he get those divorce papers and he end up in this group, this is why he say I did everything. And I don't know why. Because, mm-hmm. but imagine, the only language you know is English, but you've been dropped off in Russia. Hmm. And all you want to do is find out where is a store to buy a cup of water. And it is going to be difficult mm-hmm. and possible because y'all not speaking the same language. Language. <laughs> and you would think, well, it's simple. All I want is a cup of water. But on both sides, he's buying he's buying these gifts. He's not buying them because he hates you. He's buying them yeah. because he loves You're not receiving it as love. So that's why we really have to be careful because, you know, on my platform, I tell people this all the time. I am not pro-woman and I'm not pro-man. I'm pro-family. And what God gave me was an insight on how to see both sides of it. Because I can see where we went wrong, but I can see where they went wrong. Mm-hmm. And once we identify and say, okay, this is what the problem is, then I immediately want to go to what's the solution. Because there is a solution. And a lot of it is that you said it earlier, the perception. The perception. How do you see yourself? How do you see your spouse? Because how you see yourself, how you see your spouse, what you see is what you're going to say. Life and death is in the power of your tongue. So what you're going to say is going to build the world that you have. So what is your perception? Mm. When you see things negative and you're constantly saying it, you're literally building a negative life. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. You see what I'm saying? So I got that teaching from Joshua and Caleb, the 12 spies. What was their mm-hmm. perception? 12 went over there. Then came back and said, we're like grasshoppers. Their perception was, listen, Moses, if we try to take that promised land, they literally said, we're going to be stumped like grasshoppers. Now, Joshua and Caleb said, listen, yeah, there was giants over there. But surely we could take the land. Why? Because they were looking through the lenses of God. They didn't look at them. They said, we serve the most high God. And he promised us this land. So their perception was not of the flesh, but of the spirit. 
if we're going to have a successful relationship, we're going to have to learn to, or teach ourselves how to see our spouse as God sees. Mm-hmm. We have about 10 minutes left. I'm just curious to see your answer. You said the number one thing that ends relationships is being selfish, right? Selfish. Okay, selfishness. I think it's okay to be selfish. Sometimes being selfish is important. People give too much of themselves to the relationship and they're not getting their needs met because they're worried about the other person's needs. So I think there needs to be compromise, of course, but sometimes you have to think of self and make sure your needs are met. What's your thoughts on that? Can I say something real quick? Um, Raquel, what you were saying, I was going to comment about when he talked about like people getting divorced when they're like 70, 80. Mm-hmm. From talking to people that that has happened to mm-hmm. that have been married, you know, maybe 40 years or something, and they're older now, it's because they said, I didn't take care of me. I wasn't selfish. Yes. So, yeah. Go ahead, Eric. <laughs> okay. I'm going to say that um, you really... You describe everything that love is not. I default back to the two elements of love. Love is always going to accept you as you are, and love is always going to seek to give. Uh, I don't have the scripture in front of me, but I do know that there's a place where they're talking about in the last days that we're going to become lovers of ourselves. Okay? That passage of scripture. They talked about the whoremongers and the fornicators and, the, and all these bad people and lovers of themselves. So always be cautious. I stay away from the word self-love. I love self-care. I stay away from self-love because of that scripture. Um, and then I would say this too. If the result is ending in divorce, then I don't see where there's anything good that came out of that. Once again, you're allowing your selfish nature to win because love don't really do that. I know it's not popular. There is life after divorce. Okay, I don't advocate staying in the abusive or that type of relationship. Mm-hmm. But I want to ask me, sir, what do you do when you don't feel love anymore? And they was talking for their, their marriage. I said that's when the commitment kicks in. See, there's a covenant, and let me explain this covenant before time is up. The covenant is not between you and your spouse. The covenant is between you and God. So I'm divorcing my spouse or whatever case may be. Yeah, that's fine. But you're also breaking the covenant. And that covenant it looks just like this. God, I'm making a covenant with you on behalf of my wife. So you're breaking that covenant with God. Now, will he release you from That's a whole different story. But what I'm saying is this, you're going to always have bad times and bad seasons and all that type of stuff. Yeah. Every relationship, I ain't found one, even the best ones. Uh, I don't think that you should make a, a permanent decision like divorce over a temporary feeling like happiness. Now, there is a difference between being happy and having joy. People always talking about being happy. You know, I'm not happy. I'm not happy. He don't make me happy. She don't make me happy. Mm-hmm. Okay. Well, happiness depends on what's happening to you. Keep in mind, that's selfish because somebody have to be doing something for you, doing something to you, to keep you happy. I can't be your entertainment. That's a hard mm-hmm. job. Okay. But what I try to tell people to do is instead of looking for happiness, uh, seek joy. Joy is different than happiness. Joy is a sustainer. Happiness uh, comes from the outside 
and then comes in and make you feel different. Joy is something you have on the inside that radiates outside of you and affects people around you. So get joy because when you have joy in your heart, you can go through bad times Mm -hmm. and you can still be happy. Okay. Mm -hmm. I do think you have to care for yourself as individuals and you have to care for the relationship in order for the marriage or the relationship to work. That's what we're talking about. And the selfishness comes when there's not a balance and somebody is not taking care of the relationship and doing the things they need to sustain the relationship. I have given in on that word before. I wouldn't allow it in my book, but I since did come to an understanding that you have to have a self-love when it's temporary. It, it gets you to the place where you can self-care. In other words, if like you said, if I don't love myself, then I really can't, I really don't have no use for anybody. But it's temporary place. What I don't like about it is what the modern day version of it is. Because the modern day version, it, it speaks towards me, 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 and my needs. Self-love really should be a thing where I'm, I'm going to love myself first so I can be a better me that's going to turn around. I'm going to be a better product that I'm going to present to the world. The world is going to benefit from me loving myself. You see what I'm saying? It's a different thing. Once you do that, because you love yourself, you're going to do what? You're going to turn around and you're going to give. The modern day version, they only talk about it going for them. They don't talk about once I get to this point of self-love and how I'm going to return it back to the world. They just talk about how it's all about me and what I need. The bottom line to it, if we all be honest, it all stems from a place of hurt. Somebody got yeah. hurt. I, I'm be selfish. I'm thinking all about me because that pain that I just had, I never want to experience I don't want to <laughs> It should be real. That's true. How can okay, we get in contact with you? Okay, so on social media, um, best platform would be Facebook. I'm old, man. I'm old school. Facebook is for people <laughs> 30 plus and older. You know that, right? Yeah. Hey, yeah. I am who I am. No crazy name either. It's just plain old. It's like vanilla ice cream, Eric Kirk. <laughs> <laughs> and that's Eric. That's, that's Eric with a C. It's Eric with a C. E-R-I-C and Kirk with a K. K-I-R-K. So um, let me give my website, uh, which is uh, the power of two X. So that's power of two, the number two and the letter X dot com. The power to X dot com. Wonderful. Wonderful. Yeah. You got some good videos on YouTube. I was checking them out. So. Um, thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Hi, right. y'all. Now, I'm used to being a host. I'm sorry. <laughs> that spirit, the spirit of closing out the show about to kick in. The spirit of taking over. Like, job, I, yeah. I, I got this. I know what I need to do. <laughs> like, that's not my job. That's your job. <laughs> well, we, we do want to thank you for your insight and your information that you gave us today. Gave us some food for thought. Yes, you can find Eric with a C. Kirk with a K on Facebook. We welcome kindness, be kind, and look for joy, not happiness, right? Joy, not happiness. So thank you so much for your time. Thank you. Thank you. I appreciate you all.